Podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. With what feels like a never ending stream of news and information surrounding us every day, how do we ever actually get something useful out of it all? Well, that's what the Assorted Goods Podcast is all about. It's a more casual perspective on what's going on in the world, where each episode, your host, Dan, myself, a regular guy turned curious mind dives into a topic from the news, history, or whatever's on my mind that week. Then we slow it all down and dig a little deeper, passing along all the things that I learn from me to you. Subscribe to Assorted Goods wherever you listen to your podcasts, and join me on my journey to learn a little more. And you know, not be too serious about it. I'll see you there. Hello, and welcome to the jury room where we dissect some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever scar the earth, from cannibalistic serial killers to decades-old unsolved mysteries. These stories are sinister enough to keep you up at night. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Jury Room Aftermath. On this episode, I'm bringing back a returning guest. You've heard her before. Actually, you would have heard her during December as well. Uh, we have Lindsay from the Ye Old Crime Podcast. Lindsay, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. For the first time listeners from people that might not have heard you before, why don't you introduce yourself and your podcast and where they can find you at? Sure. So I'm, as Kevin said, Lindsay, I'm one of the hosts of the Yield Crime Podcast. Um, we cover historical crimes and paranormal cases pre-1900s. You can find our podcast pretty much wherever you find this podcast. And I'm also one of the three hosts for the Pineapple Pizza Podcast. And we cover um, myths, cryptids, and urban legends for different countries around the world. And that's kind of a fun podcast, too. So. So I have to ask, why Pineapple Pizza <laughs> Podcast? Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember where we came up with the name. I think I threw it out there as like kind of a joke. And it's because, um, you know, our tag is like, we're sweet and cheesy. Not everybody understands <laughs> the awesomeness of Pineapple Pizza. But, you know. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's completely off a topic from your podcast, but yeah, I have uh, I don't think I've ever interacted. I didn't even realize it until probably like two weeks ago that you were actually a host on that show, and I was like, yep. "Oh, okay." So I have interacted because I've always wanted to ask why. Because I'm like, pineapple and pizza don't go together. Like, it's just not, you know, I'm just not that guy. So I, I always wanted to ask. It is a weird combination, and that's kind of like the general theme of our show is it's. We've got like a weird combination of different types of stories and stuff, but I think it works. We're, we've all got our own like kind of unique personalities and we all kind of bring something to the table. So, Right, right on. Well, we'll go back to your podcast that we're talking about today. So um, you guys got any upcoming episodes? Are you guys still doing the uh, crack the cramp? The cramp word? word? Yep. Yeah. We actually... Um, Today, the day that we're recording, released our um, 
our first cramp off episode where we had the boys at reddit on wiki compete against jewels at the riddle me that podcast to see <laughs> who could crack a cramp word and for people who are unfamiliar with the segment um i have fellow podcasters on and see if they can guess some victorian slang terms it's usually a hilarious time kevin's been it is on hilarious i have been on it and it is a fun time so yeah i'm excited for people to hear that episode it was a pretty it was a pretty fun time so i, I won't spoil I mean, who won right you're gonna have to tell me because now or i'm just guess I'm, i guess i'm just gonna have to go listen now because i'm curious because i i enjoy both of those shows very much so that's exciting yeah it was a really fun time and it was fun because for like john especially who's one of the hosts of reddit on wiki you know we all know who jules is and we've all interacted with her on social but he'd never seen her before so it was his first time officially like meeting her um face to face so it was kind of fun to see everybody kind of meeting each other for the first time after interacting for the last few years so for whatever for a year two years and then you're like oh that's the face of the name Got yep. it. yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's always cool. kind of fun to see behind the veil i guess that's, uh, <laughs> that's a good way to put it right yeah so do you guys have any other anything besides the uh the cramp word that's coming up that you guys are excited about you guys are working on um yeah so we've been approached by a couple authors and um i'm currently reading a book about the first or like a very unknown um murder conspiracy that took place during the revolutionary war that i had never heard of before so i'm currently reading his book and we're going to have him on either in february or march to talk about his book and um we had another author also reach out, but I haven't had a chance to read his books yet. But I'm excited to have some authors on our show this year. Um, it's something that I've kind of been interested in doing, but hadn't, you know, either been approached or like approached authors yet. So I'm kind of hoping that that'll become more of a regular thing on our show. And I'm very excited for that. No, that's super exciting. I'm super excited for you guys. Um well, that's awesome. I'm glad everything's going well. Did you guys have a good new year and, and Christmas and all that? We did. It, we actually were able to hang out together, which is a new fun thing compared to last year. And um, I have two kids and they had a really great time hanging out with everybody and seeing their cousins and their aunts and uncles and stuff. And it was a good time. How about yourself? I'm, it was good. It was quiet. I don't have kids, so... I kind of just chilled out and uh, I live outside of where my family realm is. So I, I got to just sit at home and, and enjoy just the peace and quiet. You know how that goes. That's nice. I, yes. I miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, speaking of kids, I know that's a, that's a morbid segue, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll roll with um, it. It's fine. <laughs> fine. It's fine. Uh, had you heard of the the murders of the Oklahoma Girl Scouts uh, before this episode? I had. I wasn't um, super familiar with the case, but I had heard of it before. Um, so as I told you before we started recording, I did listen to your episode a bit um, prior to this recording, and I thought you did a very good job. So it was nice um, getting a refresher on the case and kind of hearing the details of the tragedy that took place with those poor kids 
Right. Is is summer camp something that you did as a child or that you would send your kids to? I personally didn't do summer camp. Um, we weren't really a camping family. Um, <laughs> but fair. But funnily enough, both of my children are in Girl Scouts, and we did go to summer camp, all three of us, last year. So um, I am familiar with the Girl Scout camping experience. It was just a, a week-long camp. It wasn't a sleepover camp. But um, yeah, it was a unique experience I hadn't uh, had before, and it was it was really cool because... Um, at least with our camp, they got to, a lot of the girls got to experience, you know, canoeing and kayaking for the first time and learned a bunch of fun camp songs and fun activities. So it was really cool because my, I lead my youngest troop and it's a bunch of like seven and eight year olds. So it was cool to see them kind of experience camp for the first time and learn these new things. And it was really cool. That's cool. That sounds like a, a great family experience. Probably something you'll probably they'll remember for the rest of their lives for sure. Being that you were out in the woods and you had never been camping before, was it kind of like a off-putting experience at first for you or did you did you adjust to that? It was a little I have a thing with woods. Like it's a creep they're they're creepy. If you don't know what you're doing, like it's just a weird thing. You know, because everybody tells you stay out of the woods. Um, but the the camp was pretty kind of isolated, which is either good or bad, depending on your views on it. Um, but it's also fairly close to civilization if something were to happen. Um, but yeah, it was, I think my views would have been different if it had been an overnight camp in the woods. Then I probably would really have not had a good time. <laughs> but uh um, because we are in Minnesota and there are wild animals in Minnesota in the woods. And, um, but for being the daytime, I think the worst we experienced were, you know, squirrels and some mosquitoes, the, the occasional giant spider. So, um, <laughs> burn them all, burn the whole woods down. Yeah. We had one in our like, uh, base camp area and I had to take care of it, but because I was the only one willing to deal with it. So go mom skills, I guess. Person. Yeah, you're a bigger <laughs> person than me. Because I would have been the person running the opposite direction. Oh, man. I wanted to, like, burn the whole thing down. But uh, <laughs> I was like, I can't set that example. And I can't pay the cost to replace it. So. <laughs> Wait, you didn't have your flamethrower with you? That's upsetting. I, I left it at home. Oh, man. <laughs> so... With that being said, so in the 70s, right, it was a little bit more that the woods are a little bit more isolated out further away from civilization, right? We've mm -hmm. kind of grown into the woods. So um, I definitely think it was a, a, a crime of opportunity, you know, mm -hmm. as far as, as and I hate that it, they had the opportunity, but it's really surprised me that with so many people, that somebody was really brazen enough to pull something off like this. Like, do you think it was somebody maybe that was potentially staying in the woods or somebody who just knew they were going to be out there? I definitely agree that it was a crime of opportunity, that it was, and especially given that the camp had been vandalized prior to all the kids being there, it seems like it was something that this person had kind of been planning or um, 
at least was aware of what was going on in the camp. Um, and I think because especially there where those three girls had been staying, it was kind of further away from the other ones. It just made sense that that would be for better or for worse, the place that they would kind of target um, for worse. And um, yeah, I a hundred percent agree that they were probably either staying in the woods or somewhere like the cave that they found, like somewhere very close to the woods where they would have had easy access and an easy escape route if they had been uh, spotted. And that's something too, that I don't know being that hindsight's always 2020, you can always look back on a situation and be like, Oh, you should have done, you should have done this different and you should have done that different. And granted, we're not, we're not given that opportunity before the moments happen, but I still feel with the camp being vandalized that there would have been more alertness to the situation of, okay, maybe there's somebody in the woods. Maybe there's somebody close by. Maybe we should keep the girls a little bit closer, a little bit more, you know, as a group setting, instead of letting them being so spread out. I don't know if you've seen pictures or not, but the campsite, you know, was like a big U and it's like, so the furthest, the weakest point is where the girls were attacked at. And so to me that, that just screamed, you know, that they should have done a better job at protecting the girls, you know? Yeah. You would think they would have like, you know, at least called the authorities and been like, Hey, can you guys kind of do a sweep before we have the kids out just as an added precaution? You know, we have had some break-ins. We're a little concerned for their safety, you know? But again, it's like hindsight's 2020 and it was the seventies. You wouldn't necessarily have thought of something like that. Not that they're all like incompetent because it was the seventies, but you know what I mean? It's, it's something that you just wouldn't have thought of because, you know, you probably were just like, Oh, maybe it was some animals got in or, Oh, maybe it was just someone kind of passing through seeing if they could get anything that was, you know, worth hawking or, you know, like it, you just wouldn't think oh, we need to be on the alert for someone who's going to come through and murder a bunch of kids, you know? And that's a good point too, is that I'm sure you have experienced this with your, either maybe your parents or your grandparents where they leave the door unlocked or they talk about the times where, you know, you would just hitchhike, you know, a, you know, a couple hundred miles and, and you didn't even think twice about it. And to, And in today's mindset, you hear that and you're like, like as a growing up as a kid, my grandma would always leave her door unlocked and she lived in, in not a great area of town. And I'm like, you're, you're insane. Like it didn't make sense to me. And she's like, that's just what we do. She's like, we didn't have to lock our door. We never thought twice about it, you know? And that's crazy. Yeah. It was the same thing for us. We grew up in a small farming community. I don't think we ever had our door locked and cause it's just something you never thought about. You just, you you knew who your neighbors were and you just assume no one's going to come come into your house at night and do anything so right. it's that it's that respect level you know where they they just assume that everybody respected each other and just were didn't have bad intentions exactly it's hard to say like they had a suspect and it's crazy because the suspect ended up not even ended up being acquitted of all the charges right even though he was on the run and he was found to be living in that cave, you know, that you alluded to earlier. And 
so what what are your theories do you think he got away with it or do you think they just didn't because it's so hard back in the 70s they didn't do investigations like they do now and they don't have the tools that we have now you know what i mean yep yeah i kind of part of me wants to say that he was involved somehow like maybe he wasn't the main person that committed the crime um because you know he was talking about how his his shoe size was different. His size was two sizes larger than the shoe print that they found. That doesn't mean that he wasn't involved. That he could have been, and especially considering it was three girls, you, you'd have to have another person there to make sure that no one's in a runoff. You know what or I mean? Scream, like, or scream or yep. make noise. Yep. I'm, it. I just don't see, given the age that those children were, that one person could have done it. There had to have been two, maybe even three people that were involved in this to keep track of all those girls because one of them would have run or screamed or done something, you know, to try and get away. So it's hard to say, but I feel like a lot of the evidence points to him being involved in some capacity. And you mentioned that you're being from a small community, so you understand that whole camaraderie that they have with i hate to say it but sports athletes or you know like a a popular person and within the community where if they do something wrong the community doesn't necessarily believe it and looks down on them even though they're like no this can't be like have you experienced that being that you are from a smaller community yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where yet if you're someone who is a quote unquote pillar of the community, as we hear so often in true crime cases, of course, people are going to be like, how could they have done that? They're such a great person. You know, like, look at all the things they've done for people in the community. Look at all the good that they've done for, you know, like the local sports team or whatever it is. Like they're a star athlete or this, that, or the other thing, you know, of course they're not going to, it can't be that person. Like. And that's that, that, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, but they're, it's that frustration though, because it's like they, just because they are a pillar of the community doesn't make them any less human than the rest of us. And we all make stupid decisions. They just make dumber decisions sometimes. Exactly. It doesn't mean they're infallible. Right. Exactly. Thank you. That's the perfect word for it. Uh, What was your take on the little girl, Betty Milner, who was so excited to go and then like all of a sudden, was like dreading going i was so that gut wrenched me because i was i've known as a kid like you get so excited about something and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you just get an eerie feeling but you don't say anything but she said something and then her mom still forced her to go is that something you've experienced with your kids maybe obviously your kids are not dead and thankful for that but you know what i mean that that excitedness and then they're like super they don't want to do it yeah, I've I have experienced that with both my kids and I think part of it is perhaps like the fear of the unknown type of thing. Like am I going to know anybody at this camp? You know, so, cuz some kids are like they're really excited about doing the thing, but then when they start thinking about it, they're like, "Oh, well, am I going to know anybody? Am, are people going to want to hang out with me? Are people going to be nice to me?" Um, you know, 
my parents aren't going to be there. So if there, is there somebody that I can turn to if I'm not having a good time? It's that whole mentality of, you know, you can't, you can't knock it until you try it. You know what I mean? Like you need, you need to try it first. And then if you don't like it, you know, maybe we bring you home or, or maybe we, you have to like tough it out a couple of days and see if it's something that grows on you, you know? And so I don't really fault the mother for being like, just go, just try it out. You were so excited for it, you know, but at the same time, it's like, it's a little eerie that she had that gut check before she even went, um, almost like a premonition type of thing. So that is definitely one thing that kind of struck me like, Ooh, did, she, did she somehow in some weird way kind of know something was going to happen or was it again one of those just random kid things where they're like oh you know I'm I'm feeling a little shy or you know like I you know I'm just a little apprehensive about going because it's so unknown you know and could you imagine like the the guilt her mom must have felt or still oh feels for all those years of being like, oh my God, my daughter didn't even want to go and I sent her anyways and now she's not here. Like that, that part, it just tears at your heartstrings because that's a hard place to live, you know, as it is, I, I don't have kids, but I know I have friends that have kids and I have a little sister and I know the guilt you feel when you just tell them no for something or, you know. So I could just imagine the amount of guilt that she had to live with for 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 years. Yeah, well, especially with like the letter that she wrote talking about how she really wanted to come home, how she wasn't having a good time, even though she'd made friends with her bunk mates, you know, like that, hearing that part too, just really just like ripped me up inside because it's like, yeah, I can't imagine the guilt you would experience, you know, having what happened happen and then knowing that to some extent you could have prevented it from happening by keeping her home. Like that's just right. That's yeah. That's something that that definitely. I don't know. It's scary. That and that's what makes it hard about having kids, man. That's it's it's just that you you don't want to mess them up, but you also want to give them everything in the world, but you also want to wrap them in plastic bubble. You know. Yeah, it's like it's hard because you can't protect them from everything, and it's it's one of those things where. I remember distinctly the first time that, you know, I dropped my kids off at daycare the first day they went to school. You know, there are certain experiences that they have to have growing up because, like you said, you can't isolate them forever or they're going to turn out weird. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) you you know, that's just a fact of life. They're just going to turn into weird kids. Um, But, yeah, because it's something where up until a certain point, you kind of teach them certain values and things and then once they go out into the world it's like they're they're exposed to all these other things you know other personalities other um ways that people have been raised a lot of colorful language that you don't necessarily (laughs) use at your house you know so they're you know they're just exposed to everything and it's it's something that you can't necessarily shield them from and right on the one hand, it's like they need to experience that so they can be proper members of society. But on the other hand, it is very scary to expose them to things that you have no control over. 
Well, hats off to you because <laughs> that's that's a hard world to live in. I'm telling you. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and then it, you know, then you had people writing fake letters and stuff. You know, back in like the early 2000s, where they're trying to link the DNA, and they still couldn't find the perpetrator. And it makes me sad. I hope someday that this case is solved. I honestly do. Yeah. I. I mean, I, that sounds bad. I hope every unsolved case gets solved. Yeah. But, I mean, it's so sad. These girls were so young, and they mm-hmm. had their whole lives in front of them, and they went to camp. And, you know, it, I feel like a lot of, of horror slasher flicks were probably inspired by this case. Oh, for sure, it, yeah. That, that scary mystery of the woods. and Yep. And so, and unfortunately, now the DNA evidence is way old and they don't even have a whole lot and so it's it's going to take somebody i think a deathbed confession or something like that that's what i was gonna say yeah it i feel like it's something where yeah someone's gonna be like it was me or it was someone i know you know or and it's it's something too where it's like it didn't just affect those three kids and their families i mean i can't imagine what the counselor that found the girl's experienced you know what she had to live with the you know the police that had to go there and and see those girls like I can't imagine finding a child in that kind of situation you know so on the one hand it's kind of sad that they closed down the camp permanently after this but on the other it's like it's forever tainted as the place where this horrible tragedy took place and I'm sure no one would have wanted to send their kids there after this. You know what I mean? Even if it was just like a day trip type of camp, you know? So, but it's like, yeah, that that poor community is forever kind of just um, haunted by this event, this tragic event that took place. And it's just, it's awful and it's sad. And yeah, I really hope that at some point someone says something just so those families can get a little bit of closure. Yeah, that's that's definitely it, too, is that, you know, they closed the camp and rightfully so. I know that it would be one of those things where the kids would definitely build that. That mystery, you know, that and torture the other kids with it. And it's it's just a sad part of reality of being a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, that they that's just the way that it's it's the Thunderdome constantly, you know, so um you know, but I, I absolutely agree they did the right thing. And it is sad to think because not only not just the counselors, like the police officers, but the other kids knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, that the boogeyman was real that night. You know, exactly. you always tell your kids that the boogeyman's not real. But, you know, the reality for the other kids in the camp is that the boogeyman was real that night and they were within inches of him. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I can't imagine how the other families and stuff felt like it could have been my kid. It could have, you know, just that sort of trauma. And I'm sure a lot of those kids were traumatized. Like, you know, I don't feel safe anywhere now. You know what I mean? Like like you said, the boogeyman was within feet of me, you know, and I just happened to be lucky enough to not be the one that he went after or they went after. And it, and if, you know, and thankfully it will, you know, the girls weren't 
found by another camper. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's unfortunate that a counselor found him, but thankfully a kid didn't find him because that kid would have been, you know, scarred for life. Like there would have been a hard, it would have been hard for them to come back from something like that, especially being eight, nine, 10 years old. That's really when you're super impressionable. So it's, it's hard to come back from something like that. Exactly. Do you have any final thoughts on this case on the, you know, the, the suspect or anything that we didn't discuss? I am a little surprised that given the, the notes that they found, and I can't remember if they found them before the camp opened or if it was after the camp opened, like the note about how, you know, I'm going to kill three girls and the like. It was kill, before kill. it was, it was when they, um, when they found the vandalism. Oh, that's right. You would think that would also be a red flag. You know what I mean? Like, maybe we should be a little bit more cautious. Maybe we should delay the camp by a week or so. You know, that was another thing that kind of struck me. Like, you know, this, it's a very specific thing to be like, I'm going to come back and kill three girls. Like, it's a little bit different than being like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to murder somebody. Like, right. Right, the three put the three girls, and then it ended up happening. That's a very ominous sign that it should have been. I feel like I don't want to blame anybody, but I sure. definitely feel like they should have delayed having the camp there at least for a couple of weeks to give it a chance to see if anything else happened, to see if they found any more, you know, signs that people were there. Or living around in, in in and around the area, so that way, because you you got to think of the children's safety. That's got to be the first and foremost. And I agree, that's something that they should have heed the heeded the warning a little bit more than what they did. Even if it was a prank, you know what I mean. Like it's it's better to be safe than sorry, you know. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, you can't blame anybody for not taking it seriously you know, this was a horrible freak accident. Like this isn't something that just happened during this time. You know, it was something that no one could have predicted happening, even with the letter. Um, but it, it is a little surprising that they didn't at least rule it out as, like I said, a prank or take it just a little bit more seriously given, you know, that vandalism had been done at the camp. Um, and kind of the the violent nature of the letter, the letters. Right, and I I agree. I I definitely hindsight is always twenty twenty, and you and I can sit here and, and shame them, but we weren't there, and we're in a totally different era. And I, I hate that 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 that's used a lot as an excuse. What the reality is is that the seventies it was a different time. People, you know. They didn't have as much, I don't want to say they didn't have as much anxiety, but the world hadn't been so bleak, you know what I mean? And, and in a sense, we have to protect ourselves because so many people have taken advantage over the years of that naive, naivete, na yep. Um, naivete, of, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You know, so I, I get it. Like, it's it's one of those, I don't know, man. It's just, it's sad. It, it's unfortunate that it happened to these girls, to, the, to their families. Uh, but hopefully someday we get closure for them. That's all you can hope for is that someday 
and I know the DNA is something that they they can't it sounds like it's just deteriorated to the point where they won't be able to do anything with it but hopefully the technology will improve and continue to improve to the point where maybe they do get a break in the case and maybe it's you know 10 20 years from now where the person's long gone but at least then we would know who did it you know right it's that mystery that fuels the conspiracies you know of of they can't solve it so it was bigfoot you know what i mean not necessarily bigfoot but you know it's that it's it's not being able to have an answer that drives people to want to solve it and it's like you said hopefully 10 20 years from now we we get better technology and they can you know with just a little drop of blood they can figure it out you know yep yep exactly well, awesome, Lindsay. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm glad we got to sit down yet again and talk. And uh, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know about your podcast and where they can find you and all that good stuff. Sure. Thank you again for having me on. I, it's always nice talking to you. Um, so again, my podcast is the Yield Crime Podcast. You can find us wherever you're listening to this podcast. We're on Twitter at Yield Crime Pod and on Instagram and Facebook at Yield Crime Podcast with my other podcasts, Pineapple Pizza. Again, you can find us anywhere you're listening to this podcast. Um, and on social media, it's Pineapp, A-P-P, Pizza Pod. And that's across the board on Twitter and uh, Instagram. So the real question then becomes, do you actually like pineapple on your pizza? I do. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry if we can't be friends anymore, but... <laughs> I guess I'll make an exception this one time. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for coming on again, Lindsay. I appreciate it. And uh, again, if you have any, if anybody out there has any theories on the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders, definitely let me know. And if you go out and listen to the Ye Old Crime Podcast or the Pineapple Pizza Podcast, definitely let them know how much pineapple should not be on pizza. No, definitely subscribe, leave them, you know, leave them a review and all the love in the world and go check out the cramp word. It's fun. Uh, I did do an episode with them. It was last what, October, November, somewhere in that yep. time frame. Yeah. Yep. Um, so for anybody who wants to go listen to that, as always, Lindsay, thanks for coming on and I hope you have a good day. You as well. Thanks so much, Kevin. Thanks for listening. And remember... You never know what's lurking in the shadows, lingering around the corner, walking past your house at night. So watch out, stay safe, and keep listening. This has been The Jury Room.